I've got another amazing product to share as we continue our journey putting together best gear for your next outdoor adventure. This week, we are digging into a tool that will make your morning coffee even better. The AeroPress Go, today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Hey, how's it going today? Thank you for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Alex Tennant is here to share the story behind a very unique product with a focus on coffee called the AeroPress Go. We find out um, how the AeroPress makes such a killer cup of coffee. It's kind of like a mix between an espresso and a drip coffee, but you can do it easily on the water, even if you're on your boat right now. You can, but you could bust something like this out and make a fresh cup of coffee. We also find out about the founder and uh, and the Aerobi Frisbee uh, product that we that he created that that's out there and has gone viral. Um, lots of good stuff today. Alex uh, brings it and uh, shares uh, some good stories. So I'm excited to dig into this. Um, you know, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, you know, you may be listening here, wanting a uh, episode on fly fishing, and I just wanted to give you a heads up that we occasionally do uh, veer off a little bit to dig down some of these uh, these paths that I enjoy, and and the you know the drift boats and the boating gear and all that stuff kind of is building up to that ultimate uh, gear list. So I'm I'm trying to slowly pick that away as we go and. You know, these usually are always on Thursday. You can always count on a Tuesday massive fly fishing episode. That's always going to be Tuesday and most Thursdays as well. We've been doubling up this year. So I, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm good to go as far as, um, you know, doing some of these random ones because we're always still getting that one fly fishing episode at least every week. I don't know if you've noticed it yet, but I've, uh, but I've been doing two episodes a week for, for most of this year. So it's been a lot of work, but I've been doing it, um, you know, because I just love the conversations and, and kind of just digging down some of these random paths. So I hope you understand that. And, you know, you don't have to listen, obviously, if you're not interested, but I do feel like all these products I bring on are really solid, you know, I've, things I've either used or been recommended. So um, just want to give you a heads up if you didn't know kind of what we're on, on the track we're on. So... I love coffee. I love the outdoors. I love the river, the water, and all that. And this just, I think, you know, who doesn't love a cup of coffee? I know maybe if you don't drink coffee, you, you don't, but uh, maybe you, you, I think you could probably do tea and stuff like that as well. Anyways, I'm going to stop jibber jabbering and uh, let's get into it. So without further ado, here is Alex Tennant from AeroPress.com. How's it going, Alex? Uh, very fine. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for thanks for putting the time together this morning to uh, talk a little coffee talk. Are you? Do you already have a coffee in, in hand this morning? It's already uh, two thirds uh, depleted. Actually, there you go. And, and is it? Uh, I'm assuming you you made it uh, this morning with Aero, the, the AeroPress. Is that right? Of course, I do that. I, I admit about four times a day. Nice, nice. No, this is going to be good. I. I'm always looking for good products, you know, especially with the focus on the outdoors. We, we have a lot of uh, fly fishermen and women and, you know, hunters and campers and all that stuff. So I'm interested to hear uh, of new products that make it easy. And AeroPress is one of those. Uh, before we jump into that, can you talk about how you first came? I know you've been at AeroPress for like over 20 years. Can you talk about how you got into the, the coffee, you know, business? Well, as a lot of people know, we used to be in the toy business and, um, it was uh, in about 2004 that the owner of the company, Alan Adler, um, became fascinated by coffee and sort of frustrated that his home coffee maker couldn't make a good cup of coffee. And so he literally 
research coffee and and what makes it taste good and and uh, spent over a year developing the AeroPress and uh, we introduced it in 2005. 2005. Okay. Yeah. And that's, so you guys have been going strong for over 15 years. So, and I want to dig into Alan too, a little bit on his background. I'm sure you, you know the story there, but um, I'm just curious, just right away, you know, with AeroPress, can you talk about, maybe just describe it, you know, to somebody who hasn't heard of it before and how maybe it's different than other types of ways to make coffee? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. It is sometimes described as a big syringe, but yeah. it, it basically is a press that um, allows you to press coffee relatively quickly. And it also enables you to use fine grind of coffee so you can have a very rapid extraction, um, giving you wonderful flavor. It also gives the operator control over all of the variables of the brewing, the, the grind, the time, the water temperature. And so it gives uh, really coffee aficionados to tailor, they can tailor the brewing process to the particular coffee that they've got. Gotcha. And that's what, it, and I've been listening to some, some coffee talk podcast, getting, you know, getting ready for this. And it's been interesting to hear these people that are super into coffee. I mean, they're talking about like exactly 170 some degrees and, and all this stuff. And I'm not at that level, you know, I'm more, you know, just give me a coffee and go. I, I do love good coffee and, uh, and making it good. So that's why I'm trying to make sure, you know, I've got the right tools. So, so yeah, basically you put the coffee in, you put a filter in, you squeeze it down and it's almost, is it kind of like making an espresso a little bit? Is that kind of on the same, I mean, not the same process, but similar uh, of what you get? It's a little bit like making an espresso. The The espresso machines obviously have power and so they can put more pressure. So um, technically I would say we don't make espresso, but it's we can make an espresso like coffee. Um, you add you add the coffee, you add the hot water, you apply pressure. Uh, you can be done in about 30 seconds of, of pressure. And so it's about like the espresso process. Yeah. So that's it. So basically it's quick. You can, in 30 seconds, heat your water up. And, and as far as the heating of the water, like you said, you can adjust that a little bit. I mean, I know I saw something where you just, you know, put your coffee in a microwave, heat it up to whatever, like a minute or so. I mean, does how important is the, the temperature of the water? Uh, it's pretty important. Um, I've uh, developed a process where I simply uh, put the amount of water that I'm going to use into a cup and put it in the microwave. And I, I've already measured that I know exactly how much time in the microwave, one minute and 23 seconds, gets me to the temperature I want. But there's a lot of kettles on the market where you can set the temperature. Um, you can also use boiling water, but it won't taste quite as good as if you have it at a, a little bit lower temperature. Okay. Okay, perfect. And do you guys have, I, I know, I guess, is it the, it's the AeroPress Go? I mean, are there, do you have a few different models of the AeroPress? Uh, just the two. The original AeroPress that came out in 2005 and the AeroPress Go that we introduced in December of 2019. Yeah, and, and that's the one. And, and what's the difference between the two? Uh, as far as the process of brewing, they're the same. The uh, AeroPress Go is a little bit shorter, so it doesn't hold quite as much water. And it also comes with a mug that you can press into, drink out of, and then the mug acts as sort of the carrying case. All the parts mm -hmm. go inside the mug, and there's a lid, 
So you can just carry the mug with you in your pack or in your car or in your RV or wherever. And it's just a very convenient way to have everything you need to make coffee. That's it. And that's why it's cool. Yeah, it comes in a nice little package. So if somebody's listening here, they're out on a boat or, you know, out fishing or something, they could literally pop that thing out. I mean, if they had hot water and a thermos, you could almost do that, but you could pop out your little backpacking stove, heat up some water and, you know, have some coffee on the boat in a matter of minutes, right? That's right. And it's also interesting. uh, A lot of people are now into uh, what's called uh, cold brew. Oh, yeah. You don't use hot water, you use just uh, room temperature water. And uh, if you're happy with uh, making cold brew, which is delicious, um, you don't even need the hot water. Wow. Oh, so cold, yeah, and cold brew basically uses the process, the, the AeroPress, like the pressure, right? It's the same. It all comes back to the pressure. It uses, there's a little bit change in the time. You have to let it brew longer, but, but it's still done in about two, three minutes. So there you go. So now, Lily, we've taken out uh, the stove, and now we could just make coffee without anything. I mean, just coffee and water, and we're good to go. Gotta have water. Yeah. Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, this is actually, uh, you know, a little bit easier than I was thinking as far as the process. I mean, I, again, people are probably listening to this thinking like, well, you know, how is this thing? You know, there's tons of coffee. I mean, coffee, I think, is one of the biggest industries in the world. Um, and there must be thousands or hundreds of different products similar to this. I mean, how did this, you know, maybe talk a little about Alan. I mean, how does this idea come to be and, and how is it, is it that different than anything else out there? Um, well, it, the way it came to be was Alan literally, you know, he, along with everybody else, had a drip coffee maker at home that made a pot of coffee. And there was just no good way to make a good quality one cup of coffee with that device or with other devices that he researched. And uh, so he's a tinker and inventor, and he just went into his garage where he has his shop and and worked and worked and worked. He went through well over 35 different prototypes of devices. Uh, One used a bicycle pump, uh, lots of different ways. And um, he just wanted to make a device that would make a really top quality cup of coffee. He, He did a lot of research also on what are the variables in the brewing process and what set of variables gives you the best taste? You know, temperature, time, pressure, grind, and so on. That's right. And, and what is, is there a grind that you, uh, what, what do you use for your grind? How, how do you know how small to get it? I use what I would call sort of a fine drip. It's sort of between drip and espresso. Uh, it's pretty fine. And it really does make a big difference. If, if you have it, if you have it too coarse, it's more difficult to make a stronger brew. Can you make it too strong? I mean, is it just you make it strong? I guess the taste and, and, and the cat, is it, I mean, what, what do you get if it's too strong? What's the taste? Is just too... Uh, yeah, it can get too strong. Um, and that's one of the beauties of the AeroPress is that the operator can uh, change the ratio of the water to the coffee. Can right. change, it can change all the variables. So if it's too strong, just use more Put water. water. Put more yeah. water or... Can you just make it, make your little, like almost, you know, your little cup and then just add more hot water into the cup? Is that okay to do? Uh, That's actually a very good way to do it. You can make a strong espresso style coffee and then add water after the effect, add hot water if you're making hot coffee, add cold water if you're making cold coffee. And uh, that's actually the way, if you go to a coffee shop and order an Americano, that's what they do. That's exactly what they do. Which I don't tend to like as much. I I, I tend to like the uh, like the pour over uh, versus the americano style for some reason. I don't know. Well, you can think of the AeroPress as a pour over with pressure. 
Yeah, that's why I love it. That, that's why I think it's great because I love I I similar to Alan and probably like a lot of other people the drip coffee thing. I did that for years and gosh, eventually there's a number of reasons, but man, that thing just doesn't it's not as good as the pour over. And now you're talking about basically the pour over. I mean, what's better than a, the pour over? I mean, essentially that. Why, why is the pour over so good? Because there's no pressure on the pour over. Uh, that's true. Uh, but still, you're making one cup of coffee fresh for yourself. Whereas when you're doing a uh, a drip coffee maker, you're making a whole pot and uh, you're not controlling the temperature of the water. And you're having to wait for the whole pot. So there's a lot more time. So there's more over extraction than when you make one cup at a time. And the over extraction yields a more bitter taste. Yep, that's totally it. Okay. So pour over is an excellent way to make coffee. Yeah, pour over is. Yeah, definitely. I think pour over, uh, and it's just not as, um, it's just not as convenient. You know, again, going back to the boat, I'm not going to set up my pour over and the boat shaking and, and doing all that. I mean, this AeroPress is totally compact and you can kind of, it's all in one little package, which right. is cool. Who's your, you know, when you think about, um, you know, your customers, it seems like you guys, I was looking at your feet a little bit. You got a diverse uh, group of people out there. I and mean, do you have somebody you think of as like your target customer when you're, you know, when you're talking to people? Uh, that's a good question. Um, we've done some surveys and um, approximately 70% of our customers are male. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, male, the AeroPress appeals to people who not only really like good coffee, but also sort of like a little involvement in the process. Mm. They're not the go push your button and your coffee's ready in, in 20 minutes kind of people. They really want to get involved and understand the, the coffee making process and participate in it and improve it. And I, I, men are a little bit more tinkerers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Do you find that, um, I mean, it seems like you guys have a pretty active, uh, like outdoor type community. Do, do you find this is also used by other people, you know, in their home or where are people using this mostly? Well, um, we uh, originally introduced the regular AeroPress and then we got a lot of word that people were using them on the go, you gotcha. know, traveling, camping, boating, whatever. And so we, um, introduced a tote bag with the AeroPress so you could buy it with or without the tote bag. And um, we continue to hear about its appeal in all sorts of different outdoor settings. And that's what led us to the AeroPress Go introduction. Yeah, that's right. And like you said, you've two, about two years ago, you launched it out. And how has that been going? Have, have you been finding people have been loving it? Uh, they've been loving it. Yeah, it's, it's really... Uh, Got us into a lot of new retail space that uh, caters to the outdoor people. Uh, it also is in travel um, retail stores. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a real success and it's been very gratifying. I yeah. personally am, am a big outdoor fan. I, I'm I'm not so much a fly fisherman. I'm more of a backpacker. Oh, great. And uh, like I've hiked uh, a good part of the Pacific Crest Trail and so on. So I've always been very much tuned into what would be appealing to outdoor uh, market. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. And, and I'm a huge backpacker too. I think that's a great thing about fly fishing. It's, you know, we've got a, a, a small niche I always think about, but I mean, you know, fly fishing, hunting, camping, I mean, it's all pretty much, you know, in the same group, even trail running, you right. Even throw that stuff because we're, you know what I mean? Like we, we all do a, a little bit of overlap. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Now on the, uh, the Pacific Crest Road, so down you're in Southern California, right? Northern California. Oh, you're in Northern. Okay. Where are you at? 
Uh, Palo Alto. Oh, Palo Alto. Right. Now, is that that's not um, what's the uh, who's the other big company? Are there, yeah, there's a few big companies there, right? It's not Apple, is it? Uh, well, Palo Alto, let me see. About 100 yards from our building is Google. It's Google. There you go. And about a mile away is Facebook. Is Facebook. Yeah, that's what it is, right? Yeah, you're in the two of the yeah maybe the biggest i don't know so that's uh that's pretty cool well i want to that's interesting you know you mentioned facebook and google because they're these massive you know massive uh companies uh you guys i think are you still you're pretty relative like uh, 10 people in your office there seven yeah seven i mean this is this is cool because you got alan this guy who I, it sounds like you know and i'm sure the conversation if i was talking to him might be going a little different route but you know, I mean, talk about Alan again. You mentioned a couple of products. What else has he produced out there before the AeroPress, or what? What is anything that we would know of? He worked as a uh, electrical engineer and uh, was involved in a lot of inventing for companies that he worked for. Um, he also has always been an avid inventor. He has over forty patents. He oh, wow. has pat- patents related to astronomy. He. Uh, he designed a sailboat that won the race from San Francisco to Hawaii. <laughs> um, he's just a very, very bright inventor who uh, has operated in a lot of different fields. Obvi- uh, the toy business was one of the ones he was best known for, obviously. He, uh, at first, while he was working as an engineer in industry, invented toys sort of on the side and licensed them to toy companies. <sighs> and um, it was... Uh, 1983 or so that uh he took a toy idea and showed it to his wife and said he that was the uh flying ring and uh he oh, said yeah. he was going to license it to uh, a toy company and his wife said quit complaining about the toy companies and start your own business <laughs> and that's where the Arobi company was founded and that was our that was our early uh company Oh yeah, Aerobi. That's right. That's the essentially it's a frisbee, but it's the the disc, or it's the uh, the, it's the, the yeah, it's a ring. It's the it's the ring, right? Amazing. So that's still out there, right? Uh, we sold that business in two thousand and seventeen. Oh wow! So we had it for a long, long time. Yeah, that's amazing. We, that's a- we built it up to where we were selling eighteen of his inventions, and um, now they are sold by. The Spin Master Company of Canada. Oh, Spin Master. Okay. And and uh, and so why at 2017? Why why sell it? Why sell it then? What was the just a good good time or what? Why why uh, get you know get it off? Um. Well, you're asking me to read Alan's mind a little yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, if you can't do it, don't worry about it. <laughs> um. You know. I mean, we all get older, and you know, he's in his 80s, and he decided uh, to sell it. He really has a love for the coffee business and uh, the coffee maker business, and and he decided to keep that. What um, you know from Alan? I mean, obviously, this guy sounds like a, like a kind of a genius. You know, what have you? What what are what some of the big things you've learned from him, or one big thing over the years? I, the creative process is wonderful and exciting to watch, and uh, he is so good at considering all the different angles of something. And, um, you know, many, many times I will think about something and then I'll have a discussion with Alan and it'll take it to the next level with all sorts of creative suggestions. Mm -hmm. Um, different minds work different ways and, and 
he has just a remarkably innovative mind. Yeah, and is he still going to? I mean, you're obviously younger than uh, than Alan. I mean, what's the plan as he gets older? Is it, are you gonna? I mean, your plan? Are you? I guess you stick. Are you gonna take over the company, or how's all that look? <laughs> um, now you're asking me to read his mind again. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. What What would you like to do as you look at you know into the next ten years? Oh, well, I mean, we all love what we do and we love the coffee business. I mean, we like the toy business too, but we really love the coffee business. Uh, it's a great group of people uh, worldwide. Uh, we sell all around the world and it's just an exciting business. And, and it seems to attract just people that uh, you really enjoy working with. It seems like it's a pretty cool, I'm just learning more about it, but it seems like there's a lot of cool companies out there. And the cool thing about the coffee business is, and we had recently uh, Angler's Coffee, who's a sponsor of the podcast. That's kind of where I connected to you guys. And uh, we were talking to them about um, just the coffee business, right? And how it's changed over the years. And now there's a lot of really cool, uh, it's almost similar to the micro brew business where there's a lot of, you know, they're going smaller. There's these cool companies out there. Um, and you guys are part of that. Do you feel like you're, you know, I mean, ingrained in the coffee in, in that culture and like. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and it's a really um, shift to quality. Yeah. Um, just like I think there was a shift to quality in beer, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, people are really uh, appreciating the uh, we call it specialty coffee. Yep. Which is just the excellent, uh, you know, the variety of flavors you can get from coffees carefully grown all around the world. I mean, it's it's very much like wine and beer, and yes. uh, it's an interesting, exciting um, way to look at the business. It's so different than, you know, the bulk coffee we used to buy in the grocery store. I know, I know. I, I you think back to those days, the Folgers days, and the plastic can, you know, thing, and you know, and obviously coffee is a little more expensive getting the the stuff, but you know, it just makes sense. It's like no brain. Anglers is a good example. You know, I mean, the the guy. You know, uh, Joe knows his coffee and, you know what I mean? It's going to be better than a lot of the other stuff you get out there. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, maybe I'm not sure if you could, uh, you know, as far as what you drink, do you drink a bunch of different coffees? Is there a type of coffee you like or are you like a kind of darker or lighter? Uh, well, I always like a medium roast. Um, the light roasts are a little too sour for me and the dark roasts are just over burned. Yep. Um, so I, I always get a medium roast. Um, yep. I mean, I could tell you my favorite brand, but that I that should be good. That would not be good. No, no, you you probably wouldn't want to do that, right? You don't want to offend anybody else, any of the other brands out there. Well, I, we, we try to be careful not to endorse any particular company or product. Yeah, yeah, yep, definitely. But, I but do it's, have pro- it's probably not Starbucks, though, or it might no. be, but <laughs> no, it's not Starbucks uh, at all. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess, you know, this is pretty straightforward, this process, you know, the product is straightforward. It's literally grind up some coffee, throw your air press in, heat up some water, um, pour anything else we should be know, you know, we should know about this before we grab this off the shelf and head out on the trail or the river. Um, one thing I would, um, advise is that if you, if you buy it and you take it out and you start using it, um, a couple of things. One is, um, be sure and give it two or three tries before you judge it, because at first you're going to feel like a fish out of water. I mean, you're not going to feel like you're doing it right. And it is so simple that after you've done it three times, you're going to say, well, there's nothing to it. But initially some people use it and say, oh, it's too complicated for me. And they call us and complain. 
So give it a, give it a few times before you judge it. Um, and I guess the other thing is that um, try it with a variety. Of, well, follow our instructions initially, mm -hmm. but then do some experimentation. Mm. But try it the way the instructions say to do it. And, and you may be happy with just doing it that way. But um, you're probably going to find that changing the ratio of the water to the coffee, using different coffees, using different water temperatures, you'll tailor. Everybody's taste is different. And you'll find a spot that you like the best. And it might not be exactly what the instructions say. That's right. That's right. That's a good, that's a great tip. So yeah, change it up and you'll find your little perfect match. And again, going back to the product itself. So you have, you have a little filter, like a little, uh, what it's a little paper filter, right? You stick in there. That, that, yeah. And can you, those you can just buy when you need more, you just go, I mean, it comes with a whole bunch, right? It comes with 350. Yeah. So that'll last you. Yeah. Quite and a uh, yes, you can buy it. Usually where you can buy an AeroPress, you can also buy packs of filters. Yep. Okay. We also have a lot of people reuse the paper filters. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. We have people that use them 20 times. Holy cow. So there if you, you do that, you probably have a lifetime supply. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's the, another good tip. So you don't even have to waste a little paper filter. Right. Okay. All right. And um, yeah, so you, basically the filter, you get your, gr your grind in there and then um, your hot water, and then you press it down. Is there, when you press it first, do you, is it good to let it sit? You, you stir it a little bit, like 10 seconds before you press it. That's right. And, and the stir is just to make sure just things are obviously mixed and it doesn't get stuck in one spot. Or why, why is the stir important? You just want to uh, expose all the coffee grounds evenly to water. Sometimes they'll clump up and you'll have a little dry spot. Yep. And, and you're and it comes with the stir thing, right? A little plastic deal. It does. But you yeah. can also just use a spoon you have with you. Yep. Spoon. And then... Uh, and then it also has a little measuring cup with it as well for it the does? grind. Yes. Yeah. So so you can measure out exactly what you need, and then um, yeah, and then like you said, you got the cup and you got the the cover, the ceramic thing. Anything else in the, in the package? Um, there's a little case that holds twenty filters, so you can take a small number of filters with you. You don't need all three fifty to. Oh yeah, that's a cool case. Yep. And uh, and what is the cost of this uh, this go of the go? Um, depends on the store, of course, but I think it's at Target, right? It's some of the big stores. Um, it's at Target, Bed Bath and Beyond, um, lots of different stores. Yeah. If um, you're going to, if you're going to Target, what do you think it would be? I guess depending if you're in California or wherever too. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Um, but I would guess something in the neighborhood of $32. Okay. Yeah. So if we went to, can we buy it at your website as well? Or what would you tell if somebody's listening right now and they want to buy this thing, where would you send them? Buy it at our website. Yeah, so and, and there it'll be $32. I think it's $31.95, but yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's great. And our website is just aeropress.com. Aeropress.com. Okay. And and uh and is there any I mean it seems like it's got a I think it's a ceramic or what's the filter? Is it is that is there any worry like over time that that's going to wear out or how long is this thing going to last? Um how long is it going to last has to do a little bit with how well you take care of it, but uh, the part that will wear out probably first is the rubber seal that uh, is at the end of the plunger and pushes the coffee through. It's made of silicone, but it's the thing that sees friction. And so it will eventually wear out, but I think it'll last for many years. Yeah. And, and I should add that if it does wear out or, or if you lose another part or something, our website sells all the parts. Oh, perfect. 
So there's no need to buy a new coffee maker. Just buy a new seal. There you go. So you got it all covered. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and so just and on tips as far as the taking care of it, is there anything other than just washing it off? Uh, is that pretty much wash off your filter or your you know the silicone piece? Yeah, you just sort of brush it off or wash it off. Um, the chamber is sort of self-cleaning because when this the uh, seal is pressed through the chamber, it sort of squidges it clean. Yep. Okay. Well, good. This is, uh, I mean, this has been very straightforward and I love it because it makes it easy for everybody. I mean, for 30 bucks, uh, you know, basically you've got, you know, you don't have to buy coffee anymore. You don't have to worry about any camp coffee. I mean, we used to make this thing, we used to call it camp coffee, I mean, which was ridiculous. I mean, literally a, a pot of hot water boiling on the stove um, with and pour your grounds in there. You ever heard of that before? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> is, is that, uh, that's kind of crazy, right? I belong to a family that uh, goes camping and uh, diving off the north, um, near Fort Bragg of California. And um, I uh, would bring my AeroPress, and uh, I find that in the morning, everybody wants me to make coffee for them. <laughs> so there you go. Our, our group of about 28 people, uh, they would line up uh, for, oh, no, we don't want the uh, camp coffee. We want Alex to make oh, it. Oh, wow. Well, so how do you get around that? So if you got this huge group and you love, what what would be if AeroPress can't do it for a big group? What would you recommend is the close closest, or, or do you, or can you do the AeroPress? Could you just uh, set up? Is the bigger AeroPress will it do a lot more? Not a lot more. It'll it'll make you. It can make you using the Americano method. You can make three cups or so. Yeah. Um, but um, and and each pressing only takes like a minute, so it's it's not a big line. Yeah, it's but, quick. Uh, I was also being asked to make lattes and so on. Oh wow, yeah, that's another level. So you're not a you're not a lot. You're like black coffee drinker. Yeah, I'm a black coffee drinker, but the women in the camp wanted their lattes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the the deal. Yeah, when you're in the uh, when you work for AeroPress, you kind of you are that guy, right? Yeah, you're that guy. You can't say I don't know. Can't do that. No, that's good. Okay, well, uh, I got a quick little rapid fire round. Some random questions to take us out of here and. Um, you know, I guess the first one I loved asking this because it's been, it's kind of like, you know, we're kind of in the art world, kind of with the podcasting. But, you know, as far as music, do you, do you listen to any music? Do you have any favorite bands or types of music you love? Ah, uh, do I have any favorite bands? No, not really. I'm, I'm sort of an old guy that enjoys all, all the old music. Yeah. What, what's old music? Well, I grew up in the 60s. Yeah. So, I mean, music is, you know, Beatles and. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the great music. I, I enjoy a lot of the current music, but I don't listen to it enough to learn who are the singers. No, I think Beatles is. I mean, that's definitely a, uh, a solid. I mean, maybe maybe the greatest band of all time, right? I mean, I'm I'm I didn't grow up in the '60s, but I I feel like my music uh, listening preference is '60s, '70s, definitely not '80s or '90s or whatever else we've had. Um, you know. It's it's funny because my wife uh, for years was a principal of a high school. And so we would chaperone a lot of dances. And a lot of times when the kids really wanted to dance, they'd pull out the music that was from the old era because it was such great dance music. Oh yeah. Like the, um, totally like the, whatever, like the Beatles, tw the twisted or, you know, some other, some old, some music that's just old school. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I agree. I think that uh, I don't even know. I mean, there's definitely music, hip hop, stuff like that that's come and gone. But um, 
yeah, it's not. I don't think anything's as good as Beatles, Zeppelin, or all those other great bands. Um, yeah. Well, you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things: uh, hiking, backpacking. Uh, sounds like some fishing, things like that. Any other outdoor activities you love to uh, partake in? Yeah, my favorite all-time sport activity is downhill skiing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've skied since I was ten years old, and it is it's just a beautiful sport. Yeah, it's and it's uh, not not easy, right? I mean, is that something you can continue to do? I guess you can do it your whole life, right? Is that pretty easy to keep? I guess at different levels. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't go off jumps anymore, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. But uh, it's it's something you can, depending on what hill you go on to, you can uh, adjust the level. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> the, my whole family's uh, pretty avid skiers. In fact, my son was a ski instructor. Oh wow. So is now I'm not you know Palo Alto I don't know that area. Can you talk about I mean what what's the closest uh, skiing to you guys? Well, the Sierra Nevada mountains um, go up and down the east border of yeah. California, and uh, there's lots and lots of ski areas. Uh, my son was a ski instructor at Squaw Valley, but uh, I could list off you know Heavenly Valley, Alpine Meadows, Tons. North Star. Yeah, there, there's lots and lots of ski areas in the Sierras. It's huge. That, that's why, I mean, is that the number one, re- I mean, why, why do people, you know, obviously it's California, but why is uh, Palo Alto, is, is that a big reason, the mountains, that it's such a popular place? Um, well, I would say California has wonderful weather and uh, it has access to the ocean and the mountains and so on. Um, but probably a big draw for this area is the tech community um there's no question that people really thrive on the innovation of this area. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've got people like Google and Facebook around there. It's hard not to, not for that, not to rub off on you. Right. Right. Well, and also if you're a tech person, uh, there's just phenomenal opportunity close by. Yeah. Have you ever, I mean, you, it sounds like you, I mean, Alan, and you've got this cool little tight Nick thing. Have you ever thought about, uh, had other opportunities to think about moving on to something, you know, some bigger, like a Facebook or something like that? I've always enjoyed the small company myself. Um, when I first got out of school, I went to work for a, a multi-billion dollar company and I did that for a few years. But since that, I've, I've been involved in small, usually venture capital funded, but not always. Well, and one one more kind of final one. This is more on the business side. I'm just curious, you know, for you as a as a company, it sounds like you got a great product. We have a lot of businesses that are listening to this right now, you know, more in the outdoor space. But I'm always curious on like growth. Has there been, you know, a kind of a struggle for you, kind of, uh, you know, growing it more than you wanted to grow it, or anything that comes to mind on that end? Uh, well, the pandemic has presented a whole bunch of challenges, mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of keeping the factories running um and also the logistics of shipping things has been really challenging so it's been a difficult year and a half yeah that's right are you and you guys probably is this coming overseas most of this stuff uh we make it all in the u.s oh wow amazing but the factories in the u.s have had great difficulty uh continuing to operate at full speed that's sweet all right, that's not sweet, but sweet that you make it in the U.S. And is it made in California? Uh, we use a factory in California and one in Illinois and one in upstate New York. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that seems like has. I mean, it seems like an awesome. People are going to love to hear that. You know, with all the outsourcing out of the country and stuff, is there? 
you know, why have you guys kept it in the U.S. is just for you as a business? Uh, it's just a personal preference that, that we have. Um, I think a lot of times people go overseas with manufacturing because it's sort of the easy way. A little easier. The, the Chinese are very, very good at uh, providing service and product and innovation quickly. Um, I mean, they're just right there wanting to serve you. Whereas if you want to make it in the U.S., you got to dig a little bit more. Yeah. Yep. You got to dig a little more and probably pay a little bit more. Yeah, probably a little bit more. But there's other trade-offs, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's really nice having your local source so that if you need more, you make more and you don't have this long, how long does it take it to get them here from China and so on? Right. Right. It helps our service, but uh, we probably pay a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's, that's awesome to hear. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think, um, Alex, I think we're about there as far as, you know, anything new, you got to go. That's, that's, you know, you're really, it's out there. Anything in the next year, anything coming up new for you guys you want to give a heads up on? Um, <laughs> We, we yeah, get out. But now you never know, right? You, you oh. might pop out with something brand new. Well, that's that's the one topic sort of where you can't disclose things. Yeah, yeah, right. Because uh, what your plans are, you don't want to give them away to your competitors. And so on. Yeah, yeah. We get asked all the time. Yeah. How about you? Anything uh, personally as far as outdoor? You got some good trips or anything coming up? Have you been able with the COVID to get out? Uh, well, we do a lot of day hiking. Uh, have not done anything overnight. Um, San Francisco area has a tremendous number of really great day hikes. And I, I have some grandkids that we take with us, but, uh, we've had, we had some plans that were all canceled. Yep. I know we're, we're, we're still there. We're sort of gingerly trying to figure out what we can plan and how soon we can plan it. I hear you. I know everybody's chomping at the bit. It's, it seems like. It seems like once we all get vaccinated, well, at least in this country, because we're ahead of the world, obviously, with the vaccinations, because right. a lot of uh, there's still plenty of countries that are still fully shut down. Right. And I'm not sure that might not change this year. Right? Who knows? Right. Oh, there's some countries that are really suffering. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel for India. Oh, really? I haven't even heard. Yeah. Is India just not they're probably having some outbreaks and things like that? Uh, tremendously so. And, and they're having. I mean, it's not anywhere near under control. It's just, oh, wow. It's like a forest fire. Holy crap. My distributor in India has had COVID. He, he lost one of his parents. He has a number of his family are sick and a number of his employees are sick. Well, I think everybody's kind of, uh, you know, keeping the fingers crossed that, you know, we, we obviously everybody stays healthy and, and all that. So I'll, uh, I'm going to keep doing the same. Um, I guess for AeroPress, if people have questions or want to connect with you guys, it's just uh, AeroPress.com. Sure. And you can find our phone number on the website if you want to call us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So if if, if, I, if somebody calls right now and they dial up, who are they going to get on the phone? You would get one of our customer service people. We're, we're old-fashioned. We don't even have voicemail. Nice. So a person would answer. This is amazing. And if you asked for me, they'd transfer the call to me. Yep. That's, that's cool. The, the more I talk, well, we've done a lot of these. We do a lot of these se- sessions called Fly Fishing Founders. And it's for these, a lot of the smaller companies that are out there. You know, it's like the one man deal, the few people deal. And 
Yeah, yeah, it's cool to hear the stories because you know it's always there's always a passion, right? It, it's never it's never fully about the money, right? And it seems like for you guys, I'm sure for Alan, uh, you know, obviously you got to make money, but it seems like this, there's something bigger than the money. Is that is that is that true? Oh, absolutely. The uh, the money is sort of uh, it comes with the effort, but uh, it's it's the people, it's the community, it's what you think you're doing to help uh, improve people's lives, and enjoying really good coffee is is a good event. All right, Alex. Well, hey, I appreciate all the time uh, this morning and uh, shedding some light on this. I'll definitely be sending people your way um, to to pick this thing up, and and it should be in plenty of uh, drift boats and, uh, and on hiking trails. Hopefully, the next year from from folks on our uh, podcast audience. So, uh, Dave, if I want to go fly fishing, where should I go? Oh man, I we, I got you dialed. I, we've got we've got tons of resources. You're in uh, you're up in that area. I mean, I can connect you with a couple of fly shops or some of the best guides. Um, you know, one of the best resources, I guess, guess this is, I see, where are they? The, the, um, the fly shop, right. In, uh, I think it's in Redding, California. Um, okay. They're, they're worldwide, but they're one of the biggest resources for like fly shops. Um, you know, and they, they do travel programs all over the place. Uh, I'm not sure about specifically, I'm sure there are some company, I'll have to research that around okay. San Francisco. Well, you, you know what you have, if you, this is more on the Golden Gate Casting Club, but the, probably the most famous casting club, this is a more, maybe it sounds a little uppity, but there's, there's actually a Golden Gate Casting Club, which is where a lot of people learn, do casting competitions. So that's, that's nearby. I'm sure there's a bunch of people down there that, that could direct you in the right uh, place you know to find mm-hmm. some fish i always recommend find your local fly shop though you know it, just yeah. search yeah go on your your phone and just search for fly fishing shop and it'll pop somebody up and and if you go in there you could just say hey how's it going i want to learn to fish or i want to get you know and and they usually most of them will give you a free casting lesson will will give you tips that, that's probably the best place to start okay okay yeah yeah and then once you get going on it um then come back to the podcast here i've got you know, hundreds of episodes focused on, you know, teaching fly fishing tips and tricks and uh, all sorts of outdoor, you know, companies related. So yeah, we got a good resource we built here as well. Okay. I've, I've gone fly fishing a couple of times, but I wouldn't say I really know what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing. It's a, it's a journey. And I mean, all of us, even myself, I've been fly fishing my whole life yet. I definitely still have, you know what I mean? A tons to learn. And it's, right. it's, that's the beauty of it. It's a, it's a lifelong and you can do it. Like you said, with skiing and things like that. I mean, you can do it your whole life. It, it, no problem. So yeah, check back with me anytime. If you need any other help or, or whatever, I'll connect you. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. All right, Alex, well, I'll let you get out of here. And, uh, until we uh, connect here, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk then. Thanks. My pleasure, Dave. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, everything else we covered today, uh, there's a few good links there and maybe even some music. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash 234. Next Tuesday, we are back on track talking spay flies and, and some fly tie-in. Uh, it's going to be good. We dig into it. And uh, spay flies, D flies, Atlantic salmon flies, steelhead, uh, just all that good stuff. So tune in Tuesday. Click that subscribe button if you want to get updated when that comes around. So just want to thank you. That's pretty much a wrap here uh, for stopping in today. I appreciate uh, your support, your listens. And uh, if you haven't checked us out on uh, Instagram, um, just was talking to somebody recently. They didn't realize we were on Instagram. So check us out, Wet Fly Swing on Instagram. Go over there and uh, click that subscribe button and follow us along. We're, we, uh, you know, we're sharing what's going on and trying to keep, uh, keep in touch. Thank you. Uh, thanks again. And I will see you 
on the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.